Father, we just want to thank you once again this evening, morning. Father, we just want to thank you for this time that you've blessed us with. Father, what an awesome privilege to be found in your house. Still, we enjoy this freedom to worship, to listen to your word, given us times of peace in our lives. And I pray, Father, that all of us will be found faithful in redeeming your time. Therefore, quicken us this morning, O Lord, to listen to your voice. For your word says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I pray that, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith this morning, even as we listen to your voice by faith. Even through the voice of man, I pray, Lord, that you would listen, that we will all listen to the voice of the Spirit animating me, O Lord. And therefore, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer. I pray, Father, that you would make all of our hearts tender so that, Lord, this writer can write your loss into the deepmost parts of our inner man and our inner minds and cause us to walk in your ways as you promised that you would do for us in the new covenant. And therefore, faith arise, O Lord, this morning in all of us that we will be ready to listen to you and not to man. Therefore, Father, animate me. Hide me behind your cross and speak to me and to all of us this morning. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See, um, one of the um, very early lessons I learned when I was growing up in my spiritual life, after I became a believer and got baptized, you know, the one thing that my mentors taught me when I was very young in the Lord, and much younger then, almost 21 years back. Um, Shibu actually used to take Bible study in my class, in my, in my hostel, hostel room. And then he was telling all of us, and he said, you know what, guys, one of the things, one of the sins that we most often don't confess. Pride, yes, we sometimes do. All the other conspicuous sins are there, but the one sin which is which God hates and which is possibly one of the roots of all other sin is a sin of unbelief. And he was talking to us as technology students, right? We were all in technology school. And he says, we, start, we, we believe more in technology than in any other thing, than the word of God. And we will, we will as scientists or engineers, will struggle with this one sin in our lives, the sin of unbelief from which every other sin comes. And it's been a journey for me to learn the flavors and the colors of unbelief in my own life. You know? Spurgeon, on one of his sermons on unbelief, this is what he has to say. Unbelief has more phases than the moon and more colors than the chameleon. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen a chameleon? Now, in Indian chameleons are different. There are only three colors in Indian chameleons. There's a, the world famous chameleon is a panther chameleon. Okay, it's, a, it's, it's, it's famous apparently in the US and other, other places where the tropical climate is there. And it takes any color. Okay, you name it, the spectrum is there. And it can give you a combination of uh, different colors as well. It's called a panther chameleon. Hmm? And this is what he has to say. He has more colors than the chameleon. Common people say of the devil... That he is seen sometimes in one shape and sometimes in another. That is of the devil. 
I'm sure this is true of Satan's firstborn child, unbelief. For its forms are a legion. Put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. Seriously. I mean, I was thinking about that. What a statement that is, right? The flavors of unbelief. The colors of unbelief. The reason why I was thinking about it was, you know, last time when we were here, at least in the last couple of uh, studies that we've done in our church, Mark chapter 9, if you will turn with me to Mark chapter 9 and verses 22 and to 24. Powerful verses from our God and our Savior. And often he has thrown him both into the fire. This is, of course, talking about the guy who was, you know, had that spirit and the disciples couldn't cast that spirit out. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then verse 24, immediately the father of the Lord cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, we all have these things in us. We believe there's a there's one side of us which we hope, you know, this is true. This is true. I wish it is true in my life. I know this is true about God. That he is a God who is a God of the impossible. But I hope it is true in my life too. See, that is a kind of a dichotomy that we live in, right? I mean, many of us in different contexts and different circumstances, it's easier for us to walk by sight than by faith. So, how do we get rid of this is a question. But before we get rid of that, I want to identify the chameleon of unbelief, the colors of unbelief. Okay, some of them at least. No, spectrum is, of course, broad spectrum is different colors. You have infrared and you have ultraviolet also. I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to just identify RGB, RBY. Okay, let's see only three colors. And then, uh, because we are all computer guys and display people over here. And, of course, we have the ultimate camera guy over there who is very, very colorful. He is very, very particular, but meticulous about the angles of the cam- of the lights as well. Let's look at some flavors of unbelief. Therefore, before we go there, let me just set the premise. How do we identify unbelief and what is God's solution? Okay. Jude's epistle to Jude. And let's read from verse 1 onwards maybe. And then we can read till till verse um, 5. Verse 5. 1 to 5. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. You know, this is uh, this epistle I've been reading for the past uh, one week over and over again in my mother tongue. Okay, it's like it's if I read it in my mother tongue, I get so many flavors of it. You know, it's beautiful. If you read, so if you all have different languages, read your Bible in your own mother tongue. It's really interesting. You'll get um, the Lord will speak close to you, you know, because Telugu is our own language, right? I hope you're not. <laughs> you're all ABCDs or what? Okay, confused desis. I don't know. <laughs> so, firstborn child, let us look at it. He says, yeah, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. So, you know, this guy, he took, takes his pen and he wants to write a pen down an epistle. And then suddenly I found it necessary. The Holy Spirit Im- somehow, you know, just comes over him, impresses on him something very, very strong. And he says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And the word for earnestly contend comes from the Greek word epiagonosomai, which again, we get the word agonize, which is essentially a term of an athlete who's pressing 
Rafa lost his match last night. Uh, <laughs> must much to my consternation. But he fought. You know, it's the way they agonized to the finish line. You see, uh, this is what he's talking about. He says, contend, meaning agonize over the faith that was once and for all delivered to you. And he's obviously talking about teaching over here. The teaching which empowers and, and uh, ex- establishes the faith that we have received. The faith of Jesus Christ and the faith of the apostles. Okay, And he says, agonize for those teachings which exhort and strengthen you in the faith. And we talked about what is agonizing in one of our studies recently. And he says, uh, contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. I remember the old Sunday school song that I heard when I was growing up. You know, we can't go to heaven in an aeroplane. Aeroplane doesn't fly that high. We can't go to heaven in a limousine, but the God doesn't have any gasoline. Okay, and then finally, both all those songs are to you know, because in Sunday school you want to, uh, they sound very nice. But then he gives a very interesting line. You know? It says, "You can't go to heaven in an easy chair, for the Lord doesn't want any lazy bones there." Okay, <laughs> you see, God never calls lazy bones. Everybody is at his job when he was called. Men who are mightily used of God. I don't know. Any other call. I have not, not seen any other call. I have seen Moses' call was working with his father-in-law's sheep. Elisha's call working with 12 yokes of oxen. And one of the oxen, he had 12 tractors, but he says, I want to work on the other tractor. He was not lazy. Every of the disciples, when they were called, they worked all night. Notwithstanding the fact that they, they caught nothing, nothing, but they still worked all night. Levi was at the customs working. God called him. Everybody was doing something. And therefore, you need to understand God is not interested in people who are not hardworking, unfortunately. Okay. So, he has to change our work ethic radically. And I'm talking about um, spiritual uh, spiritual things. In spiritual things, we have to really, really understand that things of God don't automatically happen. Okay. You're not going to be just ruptured like that. No, 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 no. Okay. You'll be in for a surprise. Right? Therefore, understand this. Therefore, he says, let's move on. Verse 4. Verse 4 and 5. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of God into lewdness. Now, one of the things that Paul says is that I worked harder than everybody else. How? By the grace of God, I am what I am, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the grace of God was not in vain because I worked harder than all the others. That means what? The grace of God doesn't make us lazy. If we are people who are who, be, who have really appropriated and understood what true grace of God, that's what uh, Peter will talk about in First Peter chapter five. He says, "This is what I wrote to you briefly, exhorting you that this is indeed the true grace of God." Right? And Paul says, "You know what? I received the grace of God, and the grace of God was not in vain. I worked harder and much more serious than the other guys." And you know that he was one guy who just went and shot ahead of many of his peers. If not all. So, and deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at what it was, verse 5. And I, I want to, I want to stop there. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. You see, that's, that's stunning. You were saved to be destroyed. That's incredible, isn't it? And the word for destroy comes from the Greek, or Greek word apollomy, from which we get the word apollyon, which we come from, from which we get the word destroyer, of course, right? And in other words, he's saying, I saved you out of Egypt and I handed you out to the destroyer. 
I mean, that's incredible. And why? Oh, because they were fornicators, they were adulterers, they were uh, covetous people over there. Okay, well, maybe that was there. But he said, I was not looking at that, those uh, ostensible sins which you think are very serious in the sight of God. I was looking at much more deeper malady, the sin of unbelief. I destroyed those people, I handed those people to the destroyer, those people who did not believe. And that's remarkable, isn't it? So when we say, you know, help thou our unbelief, sometimes we have a very casual attitude towards the word of God. And we say, okay, fine, no problem. Uh, I'm hearing. But really, do we really have the faith? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing hearing by the word of God. How is your faith-o-meter? The word-o-meter, I would call it. World-meter. There's a world-o-meter and there's a word-o-meter. There's a tachometer. There's a speedometer. There's a barometer. And there's a word-o-meter and there's a world-o-meter. And you go and type Google Worldometer. They will show you how many people have COVID and how many people have this and how many people have that. Your Dr. Richard is laughing at me because he knows Worldometer. Okay. Worldometer, there's no such word called Worldometer in, in, in Google. But Christians are not supposed to have Worldometer. They are supposed to have what? Worldometer, which will measure how much of the world has become a part of us. Right? So, so this is it. You, you, were, dis- you were saved. And you are destroyed because of unbelief. So how do we identify unbelief? And right from the beginning, I want to show you three flavors, three colors of unbelief. Let us look at from our fall. Okay? Because if unbelief is a root for a root of all sin, it has to start there. Right there in the beginning, it has to start. Let us look at Madam Eve and Satan. Verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2 onwards. <clears throat> and the Lord God took man, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The word dress it is to tend it. It comes from the Hebrew word abad from which we get the word abed which means servant. Okay. Abad means to worship. Abed means a servant. So who is a servant? Is a guy who worships. Understand that. Okay. These are all play on words. And the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but, verse 17, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou shalt eat, thou eatest thereof, thou shalt, what? Surely die. You know, in, a, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew language, if they have to emphasize something, they do it twice. Yeah, for example, verily, verily, exactly. Lord, Lord. And if they have to uh, call God, they call him just not double superlative, triple superlative. Holy, holy, holy. Okay. That is to establish the fact that there's nobody like him in the entire universe. And then when he says, you shall surely die, you know what it means? Actually, in the Hebrew, it's very interesting. The Hebrew word for uh, die is moth. From which we get the word moth. If you eat of this, you will moth. No. You will moth moth. That's interesting, isn't it? You will surely die. In, in, actually, the English, some of the English Bibles will say, dying you shall die. I mean, whatever that death is. Mm. I mean, in other words, you shall surely die. The day that you eat it. Now, look at how unbelief comes into the, into the hearts of men. Let's look, look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 4 now. It says, 
Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had, Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the, of the, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, the tree, uh, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat, nor shall you, lest you, how die? No, look at this. She just removed one moth and left one moth. What did God say? If you eat it, moth, moth. And what, she, what did she do? She just took off one moth. And then you know what happened? Enemy pounced on it. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not moth, moth. Look at that. Look at how unbelief creeps in. You know how unbelief creeps in? I'll tell you how unbelief creeps in. Unbelief creeps in when we lessen the intensity of the word of God. God means what he says and he says what he means. His yes is a yes. His no is a no. And every promise in Christ Jesus is what? No one maybe. It is yes sir. And in him is Amen. So what happens? How does unbelief creep in into people's life when you lessen the intensity of the word of God? If you take the words of God less seriously, now think about it. That's the reason why we keep on telling people, how are you prepared to receive the word of God on Sunday morning? Okay, and we have been given times of peace now. And we will get times of trouble. And they are coming. So how... How are we going to deposit the word of God? How seriously are we going to take the word of God determines how strong our faith is. Otherwise, we will be victims of unbelief. So one of the first colors of unbelief is we lessen the intensity of the word of God. We don't say, maybe, you know, maybe it's true. I don't know. You lessen what it actually tries to say. That is the reason why it says, in Revelation, is a strict warning. If anybody adds to it or subtracts from it, for is cursed. And therefore, he's, and Paul goes on to says, if anybody preaches any other gospel other than what you have received, let him be what? An anathema. Let him not listen. Or rather, let him not just go on to one side. Because the word of God has got two sides. And you see, you see, the point is this. What, what does it say? What does, how does enemy put it? Say, okay, fine, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not that bad. Things will not go that way. You can handle it. You, see, you can handle it. It'll be, you, you can handle it. No, it's okay, no problem. But you know, so the one act, you are reaping the consequences of that one act even today. Look at how, what it says in Romans chapter 5. Was 12 onwards. Romans chapter 5 was 12 onwards. Hmm? Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world. And what entered? Death through sin. And death passed to all men. For all sinned. And now he says. He's, he's, I mean, and Paul is like, you know what? I want, I don't want to lessen the intensity. Let me explain this, he says. You know what he says? For until the law, sin was, impu- was in the world. But sin was not imputed when there is no law. But look at verse 14. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those in whom, who did not actually sin like the way Adam sinned. Death reigned. And people were dying. And if you read Genesis chapter 5, he was born, he died. He was born, 
died. Born, died, born, died. It's like as, as if you're going through a cemetery. You see? See? Are you able to handle it? No. Everybody comes there, finally. And it's become so powerful now. No, death is a reality. It doesn't matter how powerful you are in this world. However powerful you are, one thing you will never able to escape in your life is the power of death. Impossible. Impossible. Everybody will die. That's what exactly Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 will say. It is appointed to man to die once and then judgment. Psalm 49, very interesting. He says, all these fellows, they're building and uh, structures and calling those structures after their own names. Akineni Villa, dead. Nageshra, okay. Taragarama Villa, dead. Taragarama Street, dead. PNR, God, dead. All they have is one statue. I like that. No, I don't know what, where they are pointing. Every t- everybody is pointing like this, you know. Okay, everybody is pointing like this. All dead. Maybe they are pointing to Christ. I don't know. It doesn't matter. If you are a, if you are a king, everybody came and said, king live forever. <laughs> dead. <laughs> you are going to die. They only flattered you. King live forever. Dead. See, nobody can escape. You see one act and you see the consequences of it. You know why? You lessen the intensity of the word of God. And the moment you lessen the intensity of the word of God, boss, unbelief creeps in. You become a primary target of unbelief. And you can be played with by Satan. That is the reason why Paul is very conscious about it. You know what he says in Acts chapter 20? Look at what he says in Acts chapter 20 and verses 25 to 28. Acts chapter 20 verses 25 to 28. This is what he says. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why? Why, 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 why? Simply because, verse next verse, for I have not shunned to declare to you the what counsel of God? The complete counsel of God. I never lessened the intensity. I gave you the complete picture of what God is and who God is and what he stands for. And therefore, I'm innocent. And therefore, he tells all the elders, take heed to yourselves and to the flock God has entrusted into your hands. You see? Understand this. Look at what is the intensity of God's word. Look at what it says in Nahum chapter 1. Nahum chapter 1. This is the burden of God against Nineveh. Verses 1 to 3. Yeah. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. God is jealous. God avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. <laughs> I mean, when you read this, you have to tremble. No? And then he says, the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. Next verse. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. He, Moses asks, Lord, show me your name. First, he says, I am what I am. No, it's very interesting, right? He, uh, <laughs> Jacob asks, what is your name? Why do you want my name? What is your name? First of all, tell me. Okay. And some, uh, I think Manoah's uh, husband, or Manoah himself. Ask, what is your name? 
you don't need to know my name. Moses asked, what should I tell you who, uh, who called, uh, who sent me? Just, just tell them I am. And then he's growing in his walk with the Lord. And one day he says, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to know you. Because these are your people. I need to know your ways. I need to teach these people who you are. I have to accurately represent you. You see, you need to understand the tension of a guy who's called to full-time ministry and especially to the preaching of the word of God. One of the tensions is, Lord, am I accurately representing you? So that is the reason when the pastor calls me to the pulpit, I'm very slow. I'm not very sure. No, I, I just don't take off like that from, as if I'm taking off from, uh, from those, what do you call those fellows who, from the, yeah? No, no, no. Slow. Because it's tension. Not many of you should be teachers, he says. Why? Because I have to represent God accurately. Why? Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 34. Look at the, the dimensions of God, seven dimensions at least. And verse 5 onwards, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And the Lord proclaimed his what? Name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord, God, merciful, gracious, everybody loves that. Long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Oh, they love it. Next verse. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Then, comma. (laughs) By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. You know, when I actually uh, gave this to our students in GTLC, Many of them had this question, how can God be merciful and how can he punish at the same time? You see, you see the cross over there, all absolute cross. In Christ Jesus, mercy and truth have kissed each other, right? Exodus chapter 3, verses 18 to 19. Oh, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 18. When I say to the wicked, you shall... Ah, surely die. Moth, moth. <laughs> and you give him warning. Speak to warn the wicked from the wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood, I will require. You see, that means you are guilty of his blood. And it says if you have killed somebody in, uh, in Israel, whether intentionally, intentionally or unintentionally, who is after you? Uh, the avenger of blood is after you. Who is after you? The avenger of blood is after you. That is the reason why if you read the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, this guy, what's his name? Christian is running and he crosses the valley of the shadow of death after he uh, defeats Apollyon, right? Powerful book and you should read it. Superb. Okay. And he crosses the valley of shadow of death and he's walking ahead and he sees one guy called Faithful running ahead of him. And he says, Faithful, Faithful, stop for me. And you know what Faithful says? I don't want to stop. The avenger of blood is behind me. Stunning. You know what he's saying? Faithful is saying, I want to represent God faithfully because if I do not represent him faithfully, who's after my life? The avenger of blood. That is the reason Judah is saying, some people have crept in unawares into the church. What they have done, they have turned the grace of God into a license for sinful lifestyle. And they have lessened the intensity and as a result, you have people who do not believe. There's unbelief in the church. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. Pastor was talking about watchmen. 
So you son of man, I have made you a what? A watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. And then go on. <clears throat> when, you, when I say to the wicked, oh wicked man, you shall mm, surely die. You shall surely die. And if he doesn't, if you don't give him warning, his blood is on your hands. So, let us look at an example as to how we do it. Okay, How we lessen the intensity of God's word in our life. Okay, Jesus is a master storyteller, but, you know, I'll give you the context. Disciples are wash, eating with unwashed hands, and you know the story. And then they say, why is he washing with unwashed hands? And Jesus puts this across in Gospel according to Mark chapter 7, verses 5 onwards. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Bah! Sure. Hypocrites, whitewashed tombs. He didn't call them Taj Mahal, no. He called them marble tombs only. I don't. I wonder how people just go to Taj Mahal. What does it have? Ah, dead man's bones and full of, but dead woman's bones. Okay. <laughs> Who cares? No. Who cares? Pyramids of Egypt. Who are resting there? Dead bones. You make structures, and what 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 do we have in those structures? Dead man's bones. And he says, political correctness, nahi janta. Ben Shapiro says, no, facts don't care about your feelings. Hmm. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> My goodness, we are so, so sensitive, right? We're such sensitive people we are. Ayo, Sukumar. <laughs> That's their name. Sukumar. <laughs> no, that, Sukumar means, the, the, the actual word is Sukumar. It's a two, it's a Sanskrit word. Su means good. Kumar means son. Good son. But we have made it into a different thing only. Sukumar means delicate son. Delicate fellow. She's Sukumari. Ay, Baba. <laughs> Sukumar. <laughs> How many Sukumars and Sukumaris? In our, in many church. Oh, don't tell in the ocean. You're, you're hurting my feelings. You don't know what background I came from. Ayo. <laughs> King of kings and lord of lords background. That's amigo. You know his background? <laughs> you know his background? He was the Sukumar of all Sukumars. Understand? Okay. okay that is... <laughs> it's a free lesson in Sanskrit and Telugu. Okay, for you all. <laughs> and then he, what he says, he answered and said, Well said, Isaiah prophesy if you hypocrites as it, is, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far. Now look at how he identifies how the Pharisees lessen the intensity of a commandment. Okay, look at this. Next verse. And in, in vain did they prophesy, uh, worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men for... What do they do first? They lay aside the commandment of God. In the word for lay aside is very interesting. They forgive. They give provisions as to why we, sh- we cannot obey it. Under these circumstances, you cannot obey them. I'll tell you why this is so 
this is so close to my heart. I'll tell you, I'll give you in a few minutes as to why this is so true in my life. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold on to the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. You do certain things which are absolutely irrelevant. And then go on. Next verse. And then, and he said to them, all too well you, next verse, next word, you reject the commandment of God. You see, first what do you do? You lay aside the commandment of God and then you reject the commandment of God. What happens is this. You make certain provisions, okay, for the commandment. Under these circumstances, you can break it. Is as good as rejecting it. That is what he says in James. He says, if you slip up in even one aspect of the law, you have broken the whole law. Oh, I didn't didn't commit adultery. Oh, really? (laughs) Did you speak false witness? Oh, I don't. Did you slander? You actually broke the whole law. And he gives an example. He says, for Moses said, honor your father and mother. He who curses your father and mother, let him be put to what? Surely, die. Moth, moth. But what do you do? But you say if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban. <laughs> korban kar diya. You sacrificed, I mean, for, your, for God. That is a gift of God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. You know what you have done? Making the word of God. No effect. So what has happened? First you lay aside. You made provisions. You rejected. And ultimately the word of God has no effect in your life. Can we talk like this to today's generation? I'll tell you how I got saved. Some people need a knock on their head to get into the kingdom of God. I was one of them. Maybe you're not. <laughs> I was definitely a prime candidate to get a knock. You didn't believe it, okay? This lady for, was a Pentecostal lady and she came for our youth camp. For those days, youth camp, enjoy. <laughs> Girls will be there, boys will be there, no restrictions. That is our youth camp. But thank God, God sent one messenger. And she was un- speaking the word of God, representing God completely. The whole council. And she was looking at all of us and she was looking intently at me. Like, you know, Peter and John, you know, looking at that fellow at the pool called Beautiful, gate called Beautiful. And he was looking intently. Hmm? I was also looking at her intently. Maybe she's going to prophesy over me. One day you'll be in the United States. I don't know. (laughs) You see, I was looking intently at her and she looked intently at me and he says, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And some of you are rebels. Bible says it is the only commandment with a promise. Like pastor was talking about the pin code. Sorry, the pin. What is the pin? What is the, what is the promise? You will live long. That means you will not die before your time. You will fulfill and accomplish God's purpose in your life. And she said, otherwise, no promise. So she was looking at me and she said, some of you, some of you, <laughs> should have died by this time. But God is extending mercy. You wouldn't believe it. That word came like a thunderbolt into my heart. I was a rebel with or without a cause. I was not Arjun ready for sure. Okay. 
with or without a cause rebel and that word came to me and she was as if she was speaking to me you know the spirit of the lord was convicting and you wouldn't believe it i was just had to broke down on the floor that day i was weeping and as if the thunderbolt hit me and after that you know i surrendered my life to god and things happened in my life you see that is what gospel is it confronts you with the whole counsel of god you fellows should have died by this time god is extending mercy what will happen then you see what has happened you have not given any provisions you did not lay aside the commandment you did not reject the commandment you upheld the righteousness of god the righteous standings of god that is the reason why it says false balances and false weights are an abomination to me why does he say that he looks at belshazzar and he says you have been weighed and found wanting <laughs> all you have is false balances and false weights and that's exactly what we have a world full of false balances and false weights proverbs 11:1 if you want to look at that yeah thank you dr richard no, sorry dr lucas a false balance is an abomination to the lord but just wait is his delight why because he is the only weight he's called the stone of israel who's the stone he's a weight understand this never lessen the intensity of god's word in your life because that is life life what have you done you've lessened the intensity husbands love your wives do you take it as a commandment for a suggestion like christ jesus and he says husbands treat your wives with knowledge oh my goodness you are do do your homework nonsense science it is okay science only abigail is just laughing at me looking at me i'm going to come to you abigail don't worry <laughs> okay see gnosis according to knowledge do your homework in other words you just don't marry i didn't understand what is this she's an enigma yeah you didn't do your homework according to knowledge understanding that you are heirs together of the what of life of what of life of the grace of life your heirs together of the grace of life else your prayers will be what hinder do we take it seriously that is the reason why in malachi he, he tells this guy who comes and is <laughs> crying at the altar <laughs> full cry only full emotional <laughs> he says okay emotion abhi band kar thodi der i was a witness about what lord how you deal with your wife you are a striker that is kgv for puncher okay not a striker in football or in carrom board you are a striker you fill your garments with violence and i have been witness between you and the wife of your youth and you come to the altar and you cry and you say lord why are you not hearing me i know how you deal with the wife of your youth you have dealt with her treacherously treacherously and you are expecting me to answer you you see how many people i mean even in even in india it's all it's all covered up all domestic abuse nobody knows but god knows god sees 
God is a witness between in every marriage. He sees it. How how do husbands love them? How do wives honor their honor their husbands? Do they honor? Husbands, are you head in your home? As a, as one man of God said, or, or you do sirshasana. You know what sirshasana is, right? Head down, legs up. That is one yoga asana. It is healthy only for five minutes. Oh, I need concentration. The blood has to get into my brains. Do sirshasana. May listen to your wife for five minutes, maybe. <laughs> but you should be the spiritual head in your home. Who takes decisions in your home? Spiritual decisions. Understand this. Oh, it's okay. You know, when you lessen the intensity, you don't live your life according to God's manual. You know how, what happens? Unbelief sets in. Because you do not see the power of God in your life. Simple. You see, how do I know, how does, how does Archimedes shout Eureka? Why did he shout Eureka and ran naked in the streets of Greece? He found it. It's true. My theory is true. My theory is true. It's practical. Christian life is also practical. Therefore, it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 onwards. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it as the what? You welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in those who believe. You can prove it. You know, one of the challenges that I have, Lord, my life should be a testimony of your word. I have proven you, Lord. I put you first in my life and I lack nothing in my life. I was faithful to you, Lord, to the best of my ability and you have been faithful to me, O Lord. I honored you, Lord, and you honored me too. Because your word says, those who honor me, I will honor. I put you first and I say, I backed your word up with my life and you backed me up with your anointing. My life is a testimony. Because these are all things which you can prove in your own lives. You see, these are all principles of the word of God. Works in us. And why do you, why do people have unbelief? Because they don't see it working in their life and therefore they say, oh, it's not working for me. You see? Word of God has, has got the power to work in those who believe. And therefore, you know what? Never lessen the intensity of God's word for yourself. When you read the word of God, say, Lord, this is true. Whether I like it or not, this is true. This is true. You are welcome. Your word is welcome. Your word is welcome in my home, in my life. Romans 11, verses 22 onwards. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Verse 21. Therefore, consider the word of God, the goodness of God, and the severity of God. Both. The goodness of God. The severity of God scares you. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. Understand this. 
verse 20, uh, verse 19 actually, yeah. You said the branches were broken off that I, that I might be granted it. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off. And you stand by faith, do not be haughty but fear. Unbelief. So first flavor of unbelief, first color, what do you do? You lessen the intensity of the word of God in our lives. Let me never do that. You know, Solomon tells Shimei, stay there in Jerusalem. The day you go out of Jerusalem, you shall surely die. Thank you. Surely die. Moth, moth. Take it seriously. After three years, he thought he forgot. (laughs) No. The standards of God are the same. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is unchanging. That's the first thing. So let us look at another one. Let's go a little further now. And let us look at the second set of guys. Find them in Genesis chapter 4. The the second flavor of unbelief. Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 onwards. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you, what? Do well, will you not be accepted? Now, look at this flavor of unbelief. I want to, I want before we go there, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. Understand this? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, because we are looking at another flavor of unbelief here. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. How did he testify? Answered by fire. And through it, he being dead, still speaks. So, what is this over here? You have Cain and you have Abel. Cain, a man of faith. Sorry, Abel, a man of faith. And Cain, a man of opposite of faith is unbelief. Okay. Now, how does this unbelief manifest? Genesis chapter 4. And let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Yeah. If you do. Everybody say, do. The word of God is not for personal enjoyment. Although you enjoy the word of God. The word of God is to be done. And you have to do it well. That is what is living by faith means. Turn with me to James <clears throat> chapter 1. Verses 21. Onwards. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. Okay. So that is, that is how our ground has to be. It has to be a meek ground. You should be able to receive with meekness. Lord, speak to me. Doesn't matter who's speaking, I want to be, uh, you know, I like the prayer, no? My tongue should be the pen of a ready writer and our heart should be soil, soft, fertile soil for the word of God to grow. And then he says, received with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then he says, but be doers. And you have to do well. Not according to what you think is right, but 
according to what he says is right. So when actually, you, if you read uh, the entire book of um, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, etc. When they're rebuilding the temple, it says, they did everything according to the law of Moses. According to the law of Moses. According, everything according. They did everything according to the law of Moses. And he t- talks about Ezra. Ezra says, he was a scribe, he was, he was a great learned man, but he prepared his heart to do and then to teach. In Israel, statutes and judgments. Okay, so what does it mean? Therefore, lay aside, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, what will happen to you? You will deceive. And then go on. For if anyone is a hearer of the word of God and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Immediately. You see, the word of God is like a mirror. Mirrors, good mirrors, not gym mirrors, don't lie. Just show you exactly what you are. The word of God is like a mirror. You have the altar, you have the bronze lever. Altar is made of bronze. Lever is made of Bronze. But two different kinds of bronze. You know what bronze the lever is made of? The lever is made of the bronze of the mirrors of the ladies who came to the tabernacle. Interesting, isn't it? Every lady has a purse. And what is there in the purse? Mirror. So, Batsalel was there. Batsalel was given all the, 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 the structures as to how to build the uh, the, 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 the the tabernacle. So he made the altar, he finished making the altar and then he said, okay, now I have to make a labor. So the Spirit of the Lord said, go and talk to the sisters who are there outside. He goes and talks to the sisters and says, sisters, please give me all your <laughs> mirrors, please. I'll tell you why you should use these mirrors. Okay. We look, go to naturals and we look at natural face, no? The ultimate natural. <laughs> Is the word of God. Okay. So sisters, please give me all your bronze mirrors. These people came from Egypt full of mirrors. Okay. Isn't it interesting? You go to Max showroom lifestyle, everywhere you find what? Mirrors. In every angle and different different dimension, just just in case you have blind spots. You can see yourself. They are not convex mirrors or concave mirrors. Everything is true. They have real, no, they have a virtual image, but it's exact represent of, representation of who you are in different angles. And that's exactly what the labor is. The labor shows you who you are. And you know what the guy who's supposed to go into the holy place has to do? First, he has to wash himself at the labor. Who's the guy who goes inside? The priest. And he has to wash himself when he goes in and he has to wash himself when he goes out after he goes in and he comes back to offer sacrifices at the altar. He should wash himself. Otherwise, what will happen to him? He will die. He's serious. The interesting thing though here is, very interesting, okay. Now, if we actually want to hear from God, where should you go? You should go to the most holy place. Where is the labor and the altar? 
in the outer courts. The problem is many people are still in the outer courts. Outer courts, they have still not heard from God. You know why? Because they are forgetting what they are every Sunday. You see, when John writes his epistle, he says, this is the message we have heard and that we declare. So, the, if you want to look at the dimensionalities of the apostolic message, you know what apostolic message consists of? God is light. First thing. What is he? Light. And what kind of light? Unapproachable light. Second, in him there is no darkness at all. If you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you lie and do not do the truth. The third lesson. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. Fourth lesson. Fifth lesson. If you say that you have not sinned, you deceive yourself and the word of God is not there inside of you. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Seventh lesson. If you say that I have no sin, you make him a liar. Choose, therefore. Seven. This is exactly what the dimensionalities of the apostolic message is. The apostolic teaching, whatever the teaching is, first thing you'll say that God is light every time the word of God. He exalts the light of God and he shows you what you are in the light of God's word. You know what it says in John's Gospel chapter 3? This is the condemnation that light came into the world, but men loved, oh, darkness, they loved it. They love darkness. They don't want anybody to know who they are. They hid themselves in darkness. You deceive yourself. It's the doers of the word of God who are justified. Not the hearers only. You see, Elisha and the other prophets, no? Everybody knows. Do you know that your master is going to be taken away from you today? (laughs) Everybody knows. Please keep your mouth shut, no? I also know. (laughs) Everybody knows, but who's going to follow Elijah? Only Elijah. Everybody knows, but who does? Elisha. From Gilgal, to Bethel, to Jericho, to Jordan East, to Jordan West, back to Jordan East. With the anointing. Everybody knows, but it is only the doers who get the ultimate anointing. You know that? And everybody is what? From the school of prophets. From cemeteries. I'm sorry, seminaries. Pun intended, okay. (laughs) It's true. Everybody knows. Faith without works is dead. There is dead faith. There is demonic faith also. I'll show you. Turn with me to James chapter 2. Verse 18 onwards now. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith with your, without your works. <laughs> I will show you my faith with my works. Oh, you have knowledge. Oh, Elisha, you know your master is being taken away. What are you going to do about it? Don't you know that God is not a respecter of persons? Don't you know? That anybody can receive the anointing? You know what Moses, the man of God says? I wish all God's people were what? Prophets. Are you zealous for me, Joshua? I wish everybody prophesied like me. God is the respecter of person. What are you going to do about it? No, 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 no. We know, but we will not do. We are very, that is such a convenient position. That is how you deceive yourself. 
That is how unbelief creeps in. You know what? When you know and you don't do, that's the second flavor of unbelief. When you know and you don't do, second flavor of unbelief. First, when you lessen the intensity of what God says, you don't accurately represent Him. Unbelief creeps in. Second, if you know and you don't do. That is the reason why if any man knows what to do is right, what the, what the right thing is uh, to do is, and if he does not do it, what is it for him? Sin. Why? Because it's not from faith. Because faith has to have an action. And then he says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Oh, sorry. Oh, thank, no, no, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Richard. Boy, boy. Yeah, thank you. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was, was not Abraham... Uh, Justified by works. Verse 19 actually. Please show me verse 19. You believe there is one God? God is one. You do very well. Even the demons believe. You have demonic faith also. (laughs) You don't have the faith of Christ. You have the faith of the demon. (laughs) You don't have the faith of the apostle. You have the faith of the demon. How? Because you know and you do not do. Because the demons can't do. They know very well, but they can't repent. They know everything about God. They, they, know, they know that their judgment is also set. But do they repent? No. Second flavor. And then he says in verse 25, forget about Abraham, okay? Abraham, you'll say, okay, he's a great man. Look at verse 25. Look at one lady over here. He says, likewise was not Rahab Oh, the harlot. You see, the one thing about Rahab is mentioned in the Bible. Everywhere you see her, one thing is mentioned. One, you know, one, uh, one degree is mentioned. It is not doctor or PhD or MA or anything. Rahab, the harlot. Oh, you can t- take about harlot in any way, many ways. What does Rahab the harlot mean? The one person who destroyed many families. Who has tempted many men. Was destroyed so many marriages. Whatever stigma the world puts gives her. Rahab the harlot. And she says, Was also she not justified by what? By works. When she received the messengers and sent them out another way. You know what she did? <laughs> I'll show you what she did. Look at what it, what it says about her in Joshua chapter 2 verse 8 onwards. Verse 8 onwards. Joshua chapter 2 verse 8 onwards. Now when she hides them. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land. That the terror of the Lord has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the Lord are faint hearted because of everybody shivering. Everybody is scared. But how many believe? Only one. And what does she say? Next verse. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. And for uh, you, when, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, which were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in, in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Therefore, what should you do, please? Therefore, I beg you, Swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and all they have. She included everybody. That is faith. I don't want anybody of them to perish. 
It's interesting, right? By faith, the walls of Jericho came down and what is the only part of the wall which remained? Rahab's house. That is called whatever laser, laser beam attack. Nicely he destroyed everything else except this home. That's how God is. Hid. And what is she called? Rahab the Many people got faint-hearted. They also were terrified. Their hearts also melted. But did they did they repent and they say, please spare us? No. Even the kings, look at what it says in Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 onwards. Huh? Giving examples. Now it came to pass when Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken I and had destroyed it as he had done Jericho and its king, so he, uh, so he had done to I and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were, among, that were, and were among them, and they feared greatly because Gibeon was, they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonisera, king of Jerusalem, said, you know what, spare us, Joshua, no. Sent to Hoham, Piram, Japhia, Debir, Eglon, come up, let us fight. And God says, you know what he says in 14th chapter? He says, God hardened all of their hearts. Everybody believed. They heard. But did they obey? No. You see? One more example and we'll go to the next point. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20, 21 verse 28 onwards. Matthew chapter 21 verse 28 onwards. But what do you think? If you can put it in the ESV, you don't mind. What do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted and went. And then, what do you think? Um, okay, uh, and, he answered, and he went to the other son and said to them, said, to, said the same. And he said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of you, of the two, did the will of the father? They said, the first. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the harlots are entering into the kingdom of God before you. See, because they heard and they do what you hear but don't do. If you do well, you will be accepted. That is the first, second thing which I want to look at. First is when you lessen the intensity of God's word. Second, when you do, when you hear but don't do what creeps in, unbelief. That's the second flavor of unbelief. Look at three. Let us look at Genesis chapter 16. <clears throat> now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, Sarai said to Abraham, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by Just mark this word, obtain. The word for hope, obtain is build. Build. Bana, from which we get the word build. So Sarah is saying, my home is not being built. Okay, because God restrained. So what should you do? Take Hagar and I want to build my home upon Hagar. And what does Hagar mean? 
fugitive wanderer unstable you know what god said to uh, jesus said to peter he said upon this rock i will build and what are you building upon you are building upon a person who is not cannot be trusted you see how does unbelief come in ben shapiro says facts don't care about your feelings but i say something more truth is bigger than your facts what are the facts not possible i am old the lord restrained me have children let us build upon some other foundation let us build on facts you know when we do research no we do a lot of jugard sometimes honestly confessing okay and my, you know what my many of the supervisors say which i don't have to mention this put it under the carpet don't have to mention all this don't have to you just have to appear this this is this is all i have to show presentation is important that is the reason why soft skills and all these skills are taught presentation is important but what good is presentation without real substance you know there's a saying in telugu paina pataram lonalotaram okay it looks very nice on the outside it's making a lot of sound inside empty vessels only make a lot of sound okay so don't have to show this just just write this this, this is enough if you show so many things then they will question you and your paper will not be accepted <laughs> so and then again they, they, you have to see how people create simulations that is the reason why they call simulations simulations means something which is not true simulated means pretending okay simulate and then we, when we write the paper they look so logical and everything very algorithmic look at the simulations look at the results you have to accept my paper some are smart but some are not that smart because you are the only fellow who's doing the research in that area <laughs> they think oh he's from, di- from different big school or oh, maybe from mit <laughs> harvard they are the biggest manipulators by the way jugard i'm not joking okay you go to any big conference scientific conference you know what is the discussions many of the professors are, are having what should be the next invention no how do i get the next grant next grant it's like your managers in your companies they go to the client sir this will be done this will be done this will be done this will be done how much are you charging 11 dollars per hour only sir oh and then what happens they come here to your companies you know managers become damagers right all they show everything but ultimately when it comes to the nitty gritties nobody is able to deliver but we got the money 
Now we have to show the client something. So what do we do? Jigad. That is what we call Microsoft. Service pack 1, 2, 3. Patches, yeah? You put patches. Built on false foundations. Facts. <laughs> truth is bigger than your facts. The truth of God's word is bigger. What is your facts? Biologically, not capable of doing anything. Impotent. The omnipotent, when the omnipotent meets the important, what a line that is. That you can, Pastor, you can possibly uh, copyright that and patent it maybe. I don't know. What, see, see, you say, Lord, I am absolutely, absolutely. You know what? If you have to put a label upon yourself, one of the labels that you can put for yourself is, I am impossible. What are you? Impossible. Everybody who is in the ministry, they are all impossible. <laughs> this fellow, impossible. How can he do this? Impossible. Genesis chapter 17. And verse 1 and 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, you know what? He appeared to him now as not as Yahweh. He said, I am El Shaddai, the all-powerful God. Walk thou before me and be thou blameless. Don't use facts. I am the truth in your life. You know how unbelief creeps in? When you listen to news and not the good news. You know what the good news is? All flesh is grass. All the glory is flower of grass. Grass withers, flower fades, the word of Lord abides forever. This is the good news that was preached to you. This is the good news. I'll show you. Turn with me to James, okay? James, just just one the, one application of it. James chapter 1. It's not there. Verse 9 to 11. Hmm? Let the lowly brother glory in his, what? Exaltation. But the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field he will pass away. All your riches, all that you attained for yourself, all is going to pass away. Next verse, verse 11. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers like grass, its flower falls and its beauteous, beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And what are you pursued, pursuing? Facts, but there is truth. Because people saw, called you impossible, no. And you want to prove it that you are not impossible. That is how many of us are encouraged in Norway. You cannot do it. Right? And you say, I want to prove it. And what has happened? For half your life, you are trying to prove to somebody. When God says, I already accepted you. I know you are impossible. I know you are impossible. You know what I, you know what I am? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18. Verse 9 onwards. <clears throat> then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife will, shall conceive and she'll have a son. Sarah was listening to the, listening in the tent door, which was behind him. That's how they do. That's, that's the reason it's called eavesdropping because eaves, E-V-E-S, drop. Okay. 
now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall have pleasure, my Lord being also old. What are these? There are facts. Facts don't care about your feelings. That's what you, they, she was saying. Sarah, I, I don't care how good you feel about me, but Lord, the fact is, I'm barren. You know what the next verse is? And Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Shall I, sh- shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? She's saying, is anything what? You know what the word for too hard is? Is anything wonderful for God? That's the word. Pele. That's the reason why we have the guy called Pele who shows, who shows off his tricks and we say, wow, wonderful Pele. <laughs> but you know what God says? I am the actual Pele. My name is what? His name is wonderful. His name is beautiful. Counselor, Prince of Peace, etc. My name is wonderful, Baba. I don't do wonderful things. I am wonderful. Is anything too wonderful for God? <laughs> you are saying you are impossible, but I am wonderful. <laughs> that is God. You are saying I am impossible. I am saying I am wonderful. Can we exchange your impossibility with my wonderful wonderfulity, please? Sorry, my English is not very good. Okay. I am Telugu medium. Sorry, I am just kidding. <laughs> See, can we exchange that, please? You are saying impossible. I am saying I am wonderful. My name is wonderful. You know what? That's exactly what you have to say. Lord, I am impossible, Lord. I can't live this holy life. But the point is this. When we give more attention to facts than the good news, what happens? Unbelief creeps in. Therefore, you know what? Please shut down your internet, Fox News, CNN, BBC, etc. Please don't listen to news. They're all bad news only. How many of you watch news and get so encouraged? Hurry, power, what news, man? Come on. No, nobody goes out like out of your door like that. You read the word of God and you listen to the good news that he is what? Wonderful. He is mighty God. He is El Shaddai. He is whatever you want. You name it, I am that. Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. Jehovah Shalom, I am your peace. Jehovah Siddhikenu, I am your righteousness. Jehovah Shabbat, I am your banner. I am the, the leader of the army. Jehovah Rapha, I am your banner. I am your healing. I am what you want to be. I am wonderful. You are calling yourself impossible? I am wonderful. Is anything too wonderful for God? That is the reason why he's called what? <laughs> wonderful. This is wonderful. You know what? People have to look at your life and say, this fellow was impossible. Now he is what? Wonderful. Wonderful. Vijay, what to? Who would have thought Vijay will be in full-time ministry preaching? <laughs> impossible. Uh, wonderful. Hallelujah. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful to Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. Because the least expected from my home, actually. In all the Itokotas, the least expected Itokota. To be in the ministry. Vijay Itokota. Impossible. God says, wonderful. Wonderful. Because my name is wonderful, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And for the increase of his government, there shall be no end, period. So stop reading news. Read good news. Think about it, no? We read diligently Fox. And he will fox you. He has foxed all of us, by the way. 
my goodness, he disappointed me like big time. I thought he was the only conservative channel who was, who was standing for truth. He disappointed me. I said, boss, this fellow was true to his name. His name is Fox and so is he. What is church called? The pillar and ground of truth or facts? Truth. And that is exactly what we are building our lives on. Don't build on Hagar. Build on truth. Don't build on facts. Build on truth. The moment you start concentrating on your facts, you know what will happen? Unbelief will creep in. How does unbelief, the third color of unbelief, when you talk about and magnify your facts and facts and facts, oh, we were like grasshoppers before their eyes and even in their eyes also we were grasshoppers. Who told you? They are all melting with fear because of you. You are speaking for the enemy also now. You have become the spokesperson of the of the devil. What are we? We are not spokespersons for the devil. We are spokespersons of God. And what we want to establish, we have to establish the truth. The church is called the pillar and the buttress, the foundation of truth. And not facts. Lord, if you would have come a little earlier, you would have saved my my, my brother. Lord, the fact is if you open, it will stink. I did a biology lesson, I know. Rigor mortis has set in and even now DK is also set in fourth day. What are they? Facts. You know what Jesus says? I am the resurrection. Where you end in your life, I will start from there. See, ultimately death, after death anybody can do anything. What is it? Impossible. You know what God says? From there I will start. That is wonderful. Where we end in our life, Christianity starts there. Life ends at death. Christianity starts from death. The power of the resurrection. If the spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also what? Quicken your what bodies? Mortal bodies through the spirit which dwells in you. We are people of the resurrection. We are the people of the impossible. We are wonderful. Not impossible. That is the reason why you know what Paul says? The sentence was death was upon us. We were being plummeted from every side. But you know what? Our trust was not in ourselves, but God who raises the dead. Who raises the dead? We are people of the resurrection. We are wonderful, not impossible. What are you today? Impossible or wonderful? What do you say about yourself? I'm I'm not giving any pep talk. I'm talking about the truth. God, God himself is telling Sarah, Sarah, is anything, what? Wonderful for me. My, I am wonderful, Sarah. But God, everything looks impossible. Everything absolutely looks impossible. And that is when God acts. You know what? We want, still want to have control in our lives, no? No, Dr. Richard was asking me, Dr. Pastor, did you not make a PPT? He said, you know what? I don't want to make a PPT if I'm not under control. That's what I told him. Because I would have the control over all the screens so that I know exactly what is going. Because somebody is hiding there. Okay, I don't know what he's going to do. But I want to have control. That's exactly what we are. We want to have control. Some control. Some control. You know what God tells Ezekiel? Walk. The water comes. Till the ankles. Walk a little more. Sure, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Still under control. Till here. 
more, 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 more. And he goes deep down inside and now he says, begin to sin. That is Christianity. As long as you are under control, you are impossible. When God is under control, you are wonderful. What are you on? What are you today? Impossible or wonderful? Don't build your life on facts. Build your life on truth. Don't build your life on science. Especially inorganic chemistry. Because one of the quintessential rules in inorganic chemistry, everything is an exception. Oh, this is the rule, this is the rule, but there is an exception. Rule, 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 exception. But where is the truth over here? No truth, only exceptions. That is the reason why I used to hate chemistry, particularly inorganic chemistry. Ah. Sorry, Tabitha. Okay. <laughs> so what is this inorganic? All dry. No interest at all. Everything is so dry. Nothing, no factual, no logic. Because I want to be under. And he talks about exceptions all the time. You think this answer is absolutely correct. It will be absolutely wrong. You know why? That is an exception. And what comes in the exam? Exceptions. <laughs> See, in intermediate exam, to get give you 90%, you will get what you want. But in IITJ, all exceptions. Because they want exceptions, not uh, normal people. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> they don't want impossible. They want exceptional. You know what God says? I am not going to just go exception. I am wonderful. I will make you wonderful. Beyond them. One day IITians will come and sit at your feet and they will learn from you. How about that? That's exactly what is happening no? with Pastor James and me. <laughs> I am sitting at his feet and I am learning from him. <laughs> like one student for 12 years now. 13 years, sorry. 13 years. I am very, very senior. Dinosaur here. Okay. I am prehistoric. Many, even before the church started. So, build yourself. So how do we tackle unbelief? So I gave you three flavors of unbelief. There are several flavors. First is when you lessen the intensity of the word of God in your life. Second, when you know and you don't do. Third, when you give, you build your life on facts and not truth. Okay, I gave you the diagnosis and I have to give you the solution like a good doctor. Hmm? So how do we tackle unbelief? Let us look at Jude only. Okay, we'll look for the answers in the solution manual. And solution manual is Jude himself. Scripture will answer scripture. Scripture poses the question and it also gives you the solution. Jude chapter 1 and verse, only chapter 1 because the computer is a dumb machine. So, verse 20 onwards. But you beloved, building yourself upon the most holy faith. First thing, build yourself on truth. So, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1. Let's read that first quickly. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1. The wise woman builds her house but the foolish woman plucks it. And we are all the bride of Christ. So what should we do? We have to build our homes upon the truth. 24.3 Proverbs. 24.3 Proverbs. Through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 9.1. Wisdom has built her house. She has what? Hewn her what? How many pillars? Seven pillars. So let us look at the seven pillars of wisdom quickly. Seven pillars of wisdom. James chapter 3 verses 13 onwards. Hmm? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. 
This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. Pure. First thing is what? First pillar. Purity. The word of God is the one which makes you pure. Cleanse yourself by the word of God. Cleanse yourself constantly. Second, peaceable. What peaceable is not just peaceable means peace, having peace with God and peace with man. No. It is to make you complete, to make you thorough and make you equipped for every good work. Third, gentle. Okay. Gentleness. A soft answer turns away wrath. Gentle. Fourth one, willing to yield. That means what? If I am wrong, I will change myself. Fifth one, full of mercy and good fruits. Sixth one, without partiality. And seventh one, without hypocrisy. Seven pillars of wisdom. Build your house. Build your house on purity, peaceableness, gentleness, willing to yield. And among all these things, you know what is the most difficult for most of us? What is this? That is the most difficult. Willing to submit and to yield. Easy. You know, there's something called as malleable and ductile. Okay. Are you malleable? Can God mold you? Are you teachable? Can he teach you? Can he stretch you? Can he stretch you? Can God stretch you? Everybody will stretch at your workplace. And you snap also. After a while. But God is the only person who can stretch you and stretch you and you'll never snap. Because who's being stretched inside of you? God. And he is wonderful. Not impossible. Stretch. Full of mercy. And I remember, no? When we were in university, there's 48 hours without sleep. Stretch. But now, it's interesting. Whenever you have to do all night prayer, oh, next day, oh Lord, I'm so tired. Everything is aching. But 48 hours without sleep, you did, no? 72 hours sometimes without sleep. Caffeine and caffeine and caffeine to just to keep you awake. But when, comes to the kingdom, when you come to the kingdom of God, nobody stretches. That is what we call as going the extra mile. That's exactly what Joseph was. Go to Shechem, he doesn't go to Shechem, he goes all the way to Dothan. You can stretch him. Can God stretch you? We were under a stretching exercise for 65 days, isn't it? Peter, boy, we could be stretched. <laughs> we, we understood our elastic limit. Can we get stretched more, even more? Ask yourself, can you stretch, can God stretch you? Stretch you? Stretch you? Can he stretch you to give until your bank balance is zero? Ah! That's an interesting question. No, 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 anything else but that lot. <laughs> Don't ask my money, okay? Stretch. Can you yield? Can you stretch? Can you work hard, consistently?
one of the things that we tell students, right? Sir, full tension, sir. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. 21 days. How many days? 21 days. Get into a routine and you'll be able to do it. That is what we call as what fast? Daniel fast. They all got it from the Bible. There's nothing original, the kingdom of God. I mean, everything from the kingdom of God. They plagiarized left, right and center from the Bible. Can God stretch you? Is a question. I, I ask myself, can I be stretched a lot? I remember when we used to go with uh, Pastor Eric. This guy used to drive, drive, drive miles, miles left, right of Jharkhand and every time he comes out, he's fresh. I looked at him, bro, you are indefatigable. That's one word I learned from uh, Norman Lewis. Word par made easy. Indefatigable means this guy is never gets tired. Can be stretched. Supernatural letters. Can you be stretched? Paul could be stretched. Night and day. Okay, so build your life on these foundations. Second, let's go to the next one. Let's go to Jude chapter 1 again, verse 20. Hmm? So, build your life upon the most holy faith. Second, what do you do? Praying in the Holy Spirit. What is that? Second pillar, second foundation. How do you build yourself to keep yourself unbelief? You pray in the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Why is praying in the Holy Spirit important? Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27. We'll tell you this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we, what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you're praying in the Spirit, what is happening? That is the reason why he says, those who pray in the Spirit edify themselves. They build themselves. How do you build yourself first on the most holy faith? On something which strengthens your faith and gives you wisdom. That's what Paul says. As a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. And what is the foundation? No other foundation other than Jesus Christ himself. And the church is being built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And the second foundation is what? Prayer. And what prayer? Not just ordinary prayer. Praying in the spirit do you think speaking in tongues is an option? I don't know. Ask for it. Desperately. Seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall. God will give you. If he can give. If our evil fathers can give us good gifts. How will God not give us? If only we ask. See. When we had the visitation of the Holy Spirit in our church, we were all desperate people. Desperate. Desperate. And I didn't want God to pass me by. And when I got the gift, <laughs> in Pastor James's words, I was like a boy who got his toy. And I was holding on to it, running from here to there. Afterward, I became a fool for Christ. Ask for that. It's a fantastic Fantastic experience. It's one of the most refreshing experiences you'll have after you had a tough day at work. Start speaking in tongues. You'll see how it, things will change in your life. Build yourself. How do you do it? By 
praying in the Holy Spirit. So in order to pray in the Holy Spirit, you should be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 onwards. Look at what it says. Therefore, do not be unwise. Because you have to build yourself on the most holy faith. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. But be filled with the spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And one of the challenges that I want to give for all of us. When you come together as brothers or sisters. And you have your own fellowship. Can you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of the spirit? How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? By speaking to one another. And it says, Galatians says, if you receive the word of God by faith, and what will God do? He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing from faith? Not by the works of the law, but the hearing from faith. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. In all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So first thing, how do you do it? Build yourself on the most holy faith. Second, keep praying in the spirit. Another last point which I want to talk about, the praying in the spirit. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications, is talking about Jesus, with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from that and was hurt because of his godly fear. Pray. Make this as a habit. At least three times a day, yesterday, we were talking about it. Hebrews, sorry, Psalm 55 will say, morning, evening, and then afternoon. Three times, at least. Just giving you. I'm not making any rules, but David did that. Morning, evening, afternoon. Three times. That's exactly what Daniel also did. How many times? Three times. Pray. Third one. Practical things. Let's go back. George. Keeping yourselves where? In the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? And how do you do it? You keep yourself in the love of God by looking for the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So how do you keep yourself in the love? By extending what? Mercy. Okay. First Peter chapter 4. How do you extend mercy? Verse 7 and 8. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And have all things have what kind of love for one another? Fervent love for one another. How do you express fervent love? Love will cover a multitude of sins. I'll tell you one of the principles in your life. If you want to keep yourself in the love of God. Speak always good about the others. Make this a conscious effort. Conscious. Only speak good about others. And if you can't speak good about others, don't speak at all. What are you doing? Covering. Only speak good. That brother, that sister, you make it a conscious effort. Practice. It's a practice. You see, one who practices righteousness is righteous. It's a practice. When you open your mouth, you know this is, this is good about him. This is good about him. This is good about him. And if you are given positions of leadership, James chapter 5, verse 19 onwards. This is how you love your brother if you are in the ministry. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, okay, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error of his way will save a soul from death and 
cover a multitude of sins. So what happens in the preaching of the preaching of the word of God? What is the intention of the preacher? He has to have this intention. Lord, I want to love the people to whom I'm ministering. First thing. And what, how do I express this love to them? If they are going from away from the truth, I want to turn them. And in doing so, what will I do? I will cover them. You know, how do you cover? By making them walk in the truth. That's exactly what, what, uh, what, uh, uh, John will say. He says in one John, second John chapter, uh, third John, he says, I have no other great joy than seeing that my own children are walking in what? In truth. They're walking in truth and I love it. They're not walking in facts. They're walking in truth. And what do I do? I do everything possible to bring them on that trajectory and make them walk in that path. And you know what happens? They're being built up now. Because they're being established in truth. That's the work of every teacher. See, in universities, there's a professor and there's a tutor. You know what's the difference between a professor and a tutor? Professor gives the toughest of the problem. And tutor solves it for you. Okay, I was both. I gave tough problems and I solved it also for them. Tough. And I told them, no? The easy things for the students and the tough, I'm sorry, the easy things for the professor and the tough things for the super, uh, for the students. That's what I say in the class. But when I go there to the, as a tutor, as a tutor to their tutorials, I'm trying to solve their problems. Every time when I go to the circuit, sir, it is not working. Sit and get your hands dirty. Look at Abigail over there. So many times she went astray from mathematics. And I turned her and covered her. And people think that she is a genius in math now. But that's okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> turned her. You know why? Because I love her. And I'll do whatever it takes. Because I don't want Pandita Putraha Paramasuntaha. No. She doesn't understand that. Okay. <laughs> I don't want that. I turn her. That is the reason why he says in, in Amos, of all the people, I know you. So what am I going to do? I'm going to punish you is what the rendering is. In the actual rendering, I will visit you for your iniquities. What is iniquity? Inequity. You are just going away from the path. So what I should do? I should bring you back to the path. So I'll be there, discipline you, discipline you, discipline you, discipline you, and bring you back to the path. And as a, as, as a result, I'm, what am I doing? I'm covering you. <laughs> I'm covering you. Keep yourself in the love of God. Meaning what? Keep under yourself under a covering of a people, of a bunch of people or a, of a teaching which will keep you on the straight and narrow path. Not, don't be like Shimei running away from Jerusalem after three years. Don't be like Shimei. Don't be like that guy who go, runs away from Jerusalem to Jericho. Leaving Jerusalem and going to Jericho. Keep yourself consistently. One of the things that I see and I long for in young people is consistency. You're there today and you're you're gone tomorrow. I was telling one brother, I don't want to mention his name. I said, can you be banked upon? I know you will be there if I ask you to be there. And very few brothers like that in the church. Who will be there? I know one brother is there. He's sitting there. Sami. He's there. All the time. Available. You can bank upon him. Not exalting, but learn from As you see, what I'm talking about, you can be banked upon. Stay there. Stay under the covering of teaching. Just don't run away. 
Stay there for consistently for a period of six months at least. Otherwise, you know, there's a, there's a saying in English, I don't know, somebody coined that. He said, an unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. What is it? Okay, decode it if you're not able to understand. An unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. You know why? Because genius is 99% consistency and 1% inspiration. Thank God Magnus Carlsen compares himself to Rafa Nadal and not Federer. Article, you should see. So now I said I'm Magnus Carlsen fan, not Bobby, Sh- Bobby Fisher fan. You know, because Bobby Fisher flash in a pan. One day he's world champion, second year gone. It disappeared from the scene. But Carlsen, unmovable. Wow. Champion, I mean, you cannot beat him. He says, I'm like a monster, he says, like Rafa. Oh my goodness, Rafa. He's teaching us so many lessons. Okay. Understand this. You see? Consistency. Consistency. You're there and you're gone tomorrow. Why you're not under t- teaching? Many of, the, many of us are like that. You know, just, we are not consistent for a period of time. You cannot be counted upon. Understand that. Second. The last one. Uh, Jude chapter 1, again. And verse 23. Uh, so 22. 22. 22. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. Actually, the word is, some people are wavering. So what do you do? Have compassion upon them. How do you have compassion? By not you not wavering. You see, how do you know a person can be depended upon? He is not wavering. I'll show you this principle. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse 1 and verse one, 1 to 5. Okay, let's read it. Okay. Receive one who is weak in faith, but not it with, to disputes or doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Goodness, strong person eats all things, by the way. Anyway, let, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servants? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. But look at verse 5, the principle. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alive. Let each be what? Fully convinced in his own mind. You not be wavering. You want to save somebody else? You should not be wavering. You should be fully convinced in your own mind. And then you'll be able to help those who are wavering. Finally, Jude chapter 1, verse 23. Okay. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment of garment defiled by the flesh. Now look at this. All this is to fight what? To fight what? Unbelief. This is all active things that you need to do in your life to fight unbelief. Practical things. But others say by fear. How do you do this? I'll give you an example. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. Okay. And let's read from verse 21. This is after Abraham rescues, Abraham rescues Lot and look at what it says. Now the king of Sodom said, said, uh, Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the, to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from, nothing from a threat to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham. You know what he's saying? I rescued these people. I don't want to be touched. 
anything which is defied by the garment of flesh. I rescued them. I rescued Lot, but I'm not going to allow any of those things to touch me. But I have a burden for the lost. All this is to fight unbelief. You see, these are practical things. You know what? The proof of the food is in the pudding is in the eating. Practice this and you'll see how you become strong in faith. And you yourself will be believing for yourself. I'm not impossible. I'm what? Wonderful. The last word for today. I want to leave you with this exhortation. Second Kings chapter 7. And let's read from verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, hmm, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? What is that? Unbelief. And he said, in fact, you will see it with your eyes. But you shall not eat of it. Now this is what he's talking about. He says, even if the Lord is going to open, nothing, 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 nothing like this will happen. And you should see the instruments of God's deliverance. Who are the instruments of God's deliverance? Next verse. Now there were four leprous people. <laughs> what are these according to the society? Impossible. Outcast. Men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here? We will, if we enter into the city, that means if we go back, we will die. That's what God says. My just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul will not have pleasure. Don't draw back. He says, the famine is the city and we shall die. If you sit here, we will die. Okay. You see, if I go back, I will die. If I sit here and preserve my life, you know why Jesus says, if anybody tries to preserve his life, he will lose it. And then he says, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. That means, let me just go ahead. If they keep us alive, we shall be alive. Otherwise, if they kill us, we will be dead. Now tell me, which is has the maximum probability of being alive? Going back, staying, or going ahead? So what will you choose? Toss a coin. They are saying, you know what? Heads we win, tails they lose. What is there to lose? If you sit here, we will die. If you go back, we will die. Might as well. You know what happens? They go. And because of the decision that they make, the impossible becomes wonderful. And there's a deliverance which is wrought. Because of four people, leprous people, outcasts, impossible people, what society says, even if you come close to me, you should say, I'm unclean, unclean. Don't go away, please. Don't touch me. Those people go ahead. There's one truth here. You know where's the maximum security? In the will of God. Not outside the will of God. You go back, you will 
die. Stay here, try to preserve your life, you will die. If you go ahead, you know there's a saying in Telugu. Vijayam lekunta, veeraswargam. No, no, dialogue. Vijayam means victory, veeraswargam means martyrdom. I will die and go to heaven. Or I will be victorious. That's exactly what Paul says. For me to live as Christ and die is gain. <laughs> I might as well just go ahead. Might as well go ahead. So what will you do? Will you say, Lord, what can I do, Lord? But if you like the leprous man say, Lord, I am not like these people at least. But I will go ahead. And I will be the tool for bringing deliverance into my life, into my family's life, into the life of my church. And I will become a blessing. From impossible, I become what? Wonderful. I want to give you that exhortation this morning. Go back, you will die. Stay there, you will die. You go ahead and God is going to use you as an instrument of deliverance. And you know what happens to that guy, right? There's such a stampede and that guy dies. Choose to live for God. And you will live. And you will become an instrument of deliverance. From impossible to wonderful. That's the title of today's message. From impossible to wonderful. Do you have unbelief in your heart this morning? Ask God. Lord, strengthen me, Lord, in my resolve. Let me not lessen the intensity of the word of God. Let me just not... Say and not do. Let me not build my life on facts. Let me build my life on truths. And you are the truth. Strengthen me now in my resolve. And I know Lord, you can turn my life, my mess into a message. You know why? Because everybody in God's hand is what is impossible. Let's look at that last verse. I actually read it and I put it and I'll just finish it off with this last verse. It's in Romans chapter 4. This is how uh, Abraham grows. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17 onwards. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 onwards. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. What? I have made you. In the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they are. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken socially of descendants be. And then what happens? And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith and he gave glory to God. He was strengthened in faith and he gave glory to God. So this morning can we all stand up in the presence of God? And you can say honestly, Lord, I look at myself, I'm impossible. Other people's look, people look at me, they say I am impossible. But I come to you who is what? Wonderful. Change my life. Change my life, oh Lord. And I believe you are going to, you are able, more than able to make my life from a mess into a message. Can we pray? Father, this morning, oh Lord, I pray, Father, that I have delivered your heart to the best that I know how I can. And I pray, Father, for all of us, O Lord. We all have our doubts and inhibitions and a spirit of wavering. 
we are all inconsistent in so many areas we are strong today on fire for god today and tomorrow we are cold that's who we are oh lord i pray father that lord this morning we want to make a confession yes lord we are impossible but lord we want to confess you are wonderful yes lord we are weak but you are strong yes lord we are impotent but you are omnipotent and you said in your word that the word of god has got the power to work in those who believe and whatever the situations around us oh lord seem impossible absolutely intractable but we believe and we know that you are a god who has gone ahead of us and you've tread upon all those intractable paths and you've made a way for us so that we can follow in your footsteps and by your stripes we are healed we want to confess that into our life this morning i want to pray father for all of us every brother every sister who's struggling with unbelief i pray father that they will be encouraged they might be looking at this situation and say lord this is impossible but lord we believe you are wonderful for you are able more than able we thank you father we praise you lord we worship you we give you glory and even as we go into another week i pray father that lord you would go ahead of us oh lord straighten crooked paths for us oh lord and enable us lord father to build our lives on the most holy faith to be kept in the love of god and to rescue others not even defiling ourselves with the garment spotted by the flesh to that end i pray that you would grant us grace thank you we praise you we worship you we give you glory for in jesus mighty name i pray amen amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us for in jesus name we pray amen amen god bless you